all the time. God is good. So I, I, we say that, and I think if we're not careful, we can just say it and go through the motions. So let me give you an opportunity to think back. How has your week been? Has God been good to you regardless of your circumstances? Amen. Amen. Have you had an opportunity this week to realize, and I don't know, a, you know, I tell my family this when they try to tell me a joke and I don't laugh. I say, you know what, if you have to explain it, it's not funny. Um, I, I think, Jared, your dad would love that, you know, if, if, if you got to explain it, it's not funny. But I feel like I need to explain this graphic to you. Do you see the greater than sign in that graphic? Positive is greater than negative. Amen? And it's so important for us to realize that today. That no matter what we're going through, no matter what we've been through, no matter what our circumstances are, God is still good. I hope you've been able to have a positive outlook, a positive mindset this week as we think about living a positive life that is far greater than anything negative that's going on in our life. Even in the midst of striving to take every thought captive, to, to be going in the direction of our strongest thought, there's still some things that can creep into our life if we're not careful that can cause us to kind of slip to that negative side of thinking. And it's, it's something that we all do. It's something that we've probably, if we're honest today with ourselves, with God, with one another, if you were given that opportunity, you'd probably admit some of your, um, some of your fault in this. I know I'm... I'm at fault as well. But how many of you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll raise the hand for a collective group of us. But how many of you this week have complained about something? Oh, wow, we got some honest people. Wow, I, didn't, I told you you didn't have to raise your hand, but we got two hands up in the balcony. Yes, we, we have a tendency to complain, don't we? We will complain about almost anything that's going on in our life. Maybe if you're, if you're watching online, you can jot something in the comments and let us know maybe something that you've complained about or maybe something that God has helped you to overcome in your complaints. But I'm not going to take uh, open requests today. We talked about that in our prayer time. But if you've had something on your mind that you've just been constantly complaining about today, I have good news for you today. We have an opportunity to cure the complaining. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. A little, some of you are a little hesitant about that today. We are going to talk about today the cure for complaining. Still a few. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Here it is. It's easy to complain about almost anything and everything going on in our lives right now. And lately, uh, as many of you know, uh, I've spent more and more time at home lately due to the different quarantine spans that we've had in our home. And we have introduced a new Thelander to our home. His name is Nobody. Nobody Thelander. I'm sure you might even have somebody in your home that you didn't realize was there. You see, uh, Nobody, I'll be at home and I'll, I'll go into the living room to sit down and relax after doing something and I'll see some trash or some wrappers on the couch. Whose trash is that? Nobody's. 
Yeah. Well, whose who's, who's turn is it to take out the trash this week? Nobody. Oh, yeah. Well, who is it that who is it that hasn't showered this week? Nobody. Well, who is it that drank the last Coke in the fridge and didn't replace it? Nobody. I find myself complaining a lot under my breath about nobody. I'm sure nobody did this too. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Now do you know who nobody is, Elliot? Yeah. Yeah. Elliot saw my notes this morning. He goes, Dad, who's nobody? Who's nobody Thelander? I said, you'll get it after a little bit. Welcome to big church, son. I love you. <laughs> yes, nobody Thelander. I find myself always finding a way to complain about nobody. It's easy to complain about a lot of different things. And I would go so far today to say that, yes, we are in the midst of a different type of pandemic in our world today. It is the pandemic of complaining. The new pandemic, the pandemic of complaining. If you're taking notes, you can jot that down and follow along in your outline. I've got a lot of scripture there for you today. We're going we're gonna to dissect a certain section of scripture today. We're going to spend most of our time there. And that's why you see that taking up your notes there. But I want to tell you today that in this new pandemic of complaining, there is a cure for complaining. And that cure is gratitude. That cure is gratitude. Let's, let's hear the word of the Lord from Proverbs 15. And it says this, A glad heart makes a cheerful face. Does your face know what your heart is feeling? But by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. I don't know about you. I don't want to be too bold today, but some of you need a face makeover today. Okay? Some of us need a, a makeover of our face. Why? Because we're living in this spirit of negativity in this pandemic of complaining. And we need to have a, a change of heart that makes a change of face. Amen? Here's, here's a tip for you. I'm, I'm no cosmetologist. I'm not, I'm not trained there. But I have the cure for your face and your makeover. Are you ready? Smile. Pastor, we got masks on over here. Guess what? Now we've learned to smile with our eyes, haven't we? You put a smile on your face. It changes. Guess what? Smiles are contagious. When you see somebody smile, you don't have to say a single word. It's like, oh, they must be happy today. They must be going through something that's really good. And and you, I don't know about you, before the whole mask thing, you could walk through Walmart and it would be hard to find a smile. And now it's even harder. But anyway, you walk through Walmart, and I don't know about you, I, people can't see a smile sometimes. I'll go through a drive-thru, and I'll try to be courteous, and there's times where I'll, I'll slip my mask up just to be courteous while I'm talking to them. And I, I've said some things to the people through the drive-thru because they can't see my smile. I'll say to them, I really like your mask. I bet that smile behind it's really big. You see, if we smile, it reflects a glad heart. A glad heart makes a cheerful 
faith. So do you want a makeover for your face today? Just put a smile. I was doing some, some study for this message and I read an article from a, from a psychology magazine and my wife, uh, you know, she's, she's big into this area of her world now, but from psycholo- positivepsychology.com tells us the benefits of gratitude. I want to I show you these benefits real quick. Number one, gratitude releases toxic emotions. It releases it. It gets rid of it. Number two, gratitude reduces pain. Have you ever stubbed your toe and just said, man, God, I'm so thankful for that bed? I never have. But maybe we should start. Maybe we should start. Gratitude reduces pain. Number three, gratitude improves sleep quality. I know this is true because when I go and try to figure out where nobody's hiding in my home, it's usually at nighttime. And I have to realize that I need to start being grateful when I end my day. Therefore, I can sleep better. I can sleep stronger and, well, not longer because I have a six-month-old at home too, but Anyway, gratitude improves our sleep quality. Number four, gratitude aids in stress regulation. One of the other things about being home with my family that I'm realizing is that they notice things about me that they haven't seen in a while. And I'm about to go get my hair cut, and I always talk about this with Melissa too, and I say, a lot more gray up there, isn't there? And Melissa's so good. I don't mean to put you on the spot. She goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, it's thinning up there too, isn't it? I don't know what you're talking about. I said, my wife's paying you double, isn't she? Yeah. But I'm getting more gray. The stress is is starting to show on my face and on my head. But gratitude can help us to aid in our stress regulation. Number five, gratitude reduces anxiety and depression. It's hard to be depressed when you continually are grateful for what's going on in your life. So in what ways do you need to be grateful today? Are you too critical? Too short-tempered? Have moments of anxiety? Maybe you're feeling frustrated. Maybe all the way to feeling discouraged and depressed. You don't feel appreciated. So I want us today to commit together to bend the curve of this pandemic of negativity, of complaining. Let's curve this pandemic and be grateful. All in favor, say aye. Praise the Lord. I'm glad we're on the same page. Here's the thing. There are no bad side effects to being grateful. You don't have to listen to a commercial about positivity and gratefulness, and then somebody's there speaking at the speed of light, all the side effects, negative side effects of gratefulness. It's not going to happen. There are no bad side effects to being grateful. In fact, Gratitude, I would go as far to say, gratitude is the gateway to having peace in our life. So I want to share a story with you today of a friend of mine. Her name is Becky Rabel, and I have gotten permission to share this. But I want you to take a look at this video quickly, and then I want to talk about Becky's life. Let's watch this together. My name is Becky and I am a nurse in the NICU at Bryan.
I guess the thing about being a nurse and especially working with a population that Becky does in the NICU, those small babies, is that you're not just working with the babies, but you're also working with the parents who are scared and nervous and have questions. Um, and so working with Becky was always really nice because she had the patience and she had the knowledge to really take care of those babies. She was always very supportive of the parents. And as a nurse, you have to help educate parents. You have to be a listener for them and comfort them in hard times. And Becky was really great in those situations, doing those things. While she's helping these babies fight for their life, she's also fighting for her own. And you wouldn't ever know that about her. She never complains. She works hard. You wouldn't know that she's going through a struggle too. And I think that really says a lot about her personality um, and her as a person, That how strong of a woman she is. She's a mother and she's a nurse and she's also battling cancer. And I think the way that Becky handles herself is just really inspiring to all of us. The word that comes to mind with Becky is tenacious. She never stops going. When she was diagnosed with cancer, stopping working was never even a thought to her. She kept going with that. She didn't stop any of her family events and she maintained her friendships more than ever. I remember when I was at my house and I needed some yard work done. She wasn't feeling that good that day, but she decided to come over with her husband anyways and help me. And she said her back was really hurting, but she still was helping me pull weeds and dig things up. And that same week, she found out that her back was broken and she still worked through all of that. And that's the kind of person Becky is. You know, even when she was going through all of her medical stuff, she puts it into a totally different perspective where she just accepts it and embraces it and doesn't let it affect her life negatively, which I think we can all learn from in just everyday life. Uh, Becky is a hero because even with the diagnosis of cancer, she has remained strong. I've never seen anybody as positive as Becky is probably works when maybe she shouldn't work. You know, when we think something is bad, then all you got to do is just look at her and, you know, she's still got a smile on her face. She's still very positive. She just still laughs. She's, she's amazing. Four years ago now, I was initially diagnosed with breast cancer, um, went through chemotherapy, had surgery, was in the clear after that. And then about two years later, um, started having some back pain, ended up in the hospital um, with some compression fractures and found out that my cancer had spread and was back. And so for the last two years now, I've been doing chemotherapy every three weeks and that will continue indefinitely. So it's just weird. So a long time ago when I was in college, for whatever reason, I just randomly told my husband one day, I was like, you know, I kind of just plan on having one day and he's like that's morbid <laughs> I'm like not really because if I plan for the worst but hope for the best then that day when I get that phone call from the doctor that's like hey Becky you have cancer I'll be like okay so now what do we do and so oddly enough I think that that just kind of I don't know just made it a little bit easier I guess um and just knowing there's so much of it in the world it was like Instead of saying, why me, 
why not me? It can happen to anybody. So I always tell my kids, you know, is crying about it going to change anything? Well, no, it's not. So might as well just make the best of it. I've been privileged enough to know Becky and Justin for over 20 years now. I'll never forget the call when my best friend called me to say that his wife had cancer. She was 34 years old. And as she battled cancer, she, as she shared in the video, they thought they were in the clear, and then two years later, she was, as you heard, working in somebody else's yard, doing work for somebody else. While her back was in excruciating pain, as she went home that night, what you didn't hear was that she laid on the bed for two more days without moving. They had to call to get somebody to come and to carry her out of her house to get her to the hospital because her back was broken. And so through that, she said that she shared, she is now in indefinite chemotherapy. Every three weeks, she goes in for therapy. And as long as the numbers are good, she can have her chemo treatments. And then she goes home and goes on about her life. This is an outlook that they have been told as a couple and as a family that they will be able to grow old together with. And that gives them hope. It gives them something to look forward to. Over the past couple of weeks, Becky's counts have not been normal. They have not been up, and Becky has not been able to have her treatments. In the midst of all that's going on with COVID, uh, both Becky and Justin work in a hospital, so they are right there on the front lines as well. This past weekend, Becky's brother got married, and she shared a post on their private page for her treatments that they keep everybody updated on. And I want to just share that with you here briefly. It says, this past weekend was absolutely amazing. I'm so excited to have a new sister-in-law. My brother's wedding was perfect, and Brielle, their daughter, was beautiful and looked way too grown up. I had labs done and met with Dr. Green today. No treatment again. Sigh. However, not because of my labs this time. The platelets hit triple digits but the hematoma on my leg has not yet healed. It's finally moving in the right direction, but since we don't know what caused it, Dr. Green didn't feel it was a good idea to drop my platelets and stress my body more, and so I reluctantly agreed. Parenthetically, she put, side note, I've learned that if he sits when he's coming in the room, it's because he thinks I'm not going to like his news. So the plan moving forward is that I will continue to have weekly labs and a PET scan the last week of October, and then I will meet with Dr. Green again the first part of November and hopefully have treatment again at that time. Thank you for all the prayers. I appreciate you all more than you know. I talk to Justin every day in one form or another, and we have a little running joke that, you know, we our spouses don't know about some of the stuff we talk about, and we we joke about, well, it hasn't been three days, so they probably haven't been caught up to our speed of talking to one another. I was talking to Justin over, over chat and email this week while I reached out to Becky, and I said, Becky, I just saw your post, and I was curious if you could give me some perspective. I'm preaching on being positive over negative, and your, your perspective is so positive. I said, what is the key for you to be positive in these times? 
And this is what she told me. She said, perspective really is the key. You see, you tend to see what you expect to find. And Becky was privileged to go on a, on a mission trip to Peru when she was a teenager. She was the youngest person on our district in Nebraska that got to go. And being the only person under 30 on this trip, she says, I had a very different view of the world. I have heard over and over from many of the adults on the trip about the sad state of the younger generation. So when it was my turn to share a devotional, I called him out on it. And if you know Becky, she probably didn't relent on that either. She said, if you look for the negative in the world, it's easy to find and it becomes easy to question if there's any good left in this world. But this perspective is easy to have and, and it comes more naturally for us to be negative and pessimistic. Having the outlook that there's always something good to be found takes practice and can be more challenging especially if you haven't experienced anything personally that forces you to stop and reevaluate your priorities. So I continued the conversation and asked her to give me some scriptures that have been meaningful to her in this, in this journey that she's on. And she gave me a few. She said so many of them have kind of mashed together, and she gave me some really good ones that have talked about her focus. But she wants to stay focused on her scriptures because it's the truth that keeps her mindset focused on looking for the good in her situation. You see, Becky has had to teach herself to be grateful in the midst of hard times. To expect to find something good, even if the doctor sits down when he enters the room. So I don't know about you today. Maybe you've gone through some of those similar situations. Maybe you've had those moments of negativity and you're just thinking, how can I continue to be positive? How can I train myself and expect myself to look for the good. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's something as easy as just writing it down. For me, this year and on my birthday in May, I asked my, my wife for one gift. I said, Alicia, I want a, a five-year journal. And she goes, why would you want that? I said, I just do. And she goes, okay, you don't ask for anything. I'm going to make sure that you have this. And sure enough, on my birthday, I opened up this five-year journal. And the reason I have this five-year journal is because, believe it or not, it's easier for me to slip into a negative perspective in life. I'm naturally a realist. Amen? All you pessimists say amen. <laughs> but this journal has helped me to log every single day. God, what are you doing in my life today? And then next year when I turn that page and there's something already there, I'll be able to say, thank you, God for helping me through that. And today, I need your help here. And it's something, it's something simple, it's something easy, but it's a practice. A practice we must have to continue to be positive rather than negative. Let's look to God's Word and see what Paul tells us from this passage in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be looking. It's a very famous passage, very familiar to most of us, I'm sure, today. But I want us to unpack this together. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want us to walk through this really 
briefly today and see how we can apply it in our lives today. So let's start right at the beginning. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul says rejoice. He gives us a directive right away. Rejoice in the Lord always. So I'm curious, why is this word so important? Rejoice in the Greek is karo. Karo, it means to be glad. It's the root word actually in the Greek of of the word charis, which is God's grace. Grace, undeserved favor. In other words, rejoice that you've been given something you didn't deserve. Rejoice that you have a new opportunity to live for the Lord. But then it's interesting because Paul repeats himself. I don't know about you, but when something is repeated to us, that usually means we weren't listening the first time. Amen? All the parents said, amen? Amen? I need you to stay awake because I got some really good stuff coming. Okay? (laughs) But Paul says to us, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice, be happy, be glad in the grace that you're receiving. And I know that you didn't get it quite yet, so I'm going to say it again to you. Rejoice. Be glad. Be thankful. Be grateful. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. In the English Standard Version, which is what we have on the screen for you, it goes on to say, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Did you realize that that phrase, the Lord is at hand, it really reminds us that no matter what we're going through, God is with us. He promises us He will never leave us or forsake us. So he says, be glad, be happy, be be grateful, rejoice, and again, do it again, rejoice and be thankful. Why? Because I am with you always. He's right here with us. Then Paul goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. The Greek word here for anxious means to be troubled with cares. To be troubled with cares. It literally means to be pulled into many different pieces. Sometimes we think about when we're dealing with anxiousness or anxiety in our minds, we can't really put our, our mind around the fact that our body, our person, our mind can be pulled and placed in different pieces. But that's what this term really means. It means that there's every little worry, every little concern, every little thing that's consuming our mind and making us feel anxious is literally pulling us apart into little pieces. It's causing us to worry. Pulled apart in many different pieces. The Lord is here. Do not concern yourself, he says, basically with so many concerns that pulls you into many pieces. But in everything, in everything, sounds familiar to last week when we were talking about Romans 8.28. God works in everything And Paul says again to the Philippians right here, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Here's another key word in the Greek, thanksgiving. We think we know what it means to be thankful, but in the Greek, the the word is eucharistia. Eucharistia is the Greek word here. And again, that root word is there, charis, charis. I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful that He's giving me something I don't deserve. You see, when we unpack this, we're soaking up God's Word. We're we're letting it get into us. We're reading it so much and we're we're devouring it so much so that it becomes 
a part of who we are. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be glad about it in everything by prayer and supplication. When, when we're being pulled apart mentally by our anxiousness, by our fears, by our worries, be thankful for the grace that God gives us. We have to remember the context of this. I'm going to switch over. Is that going to be all right? We have to remember when we're reading this context from Paul's letter, we've got to remember where he's writing from. Paul, as he's writing this letter, is in prison. And yet he's telling us, rejoice in the Lord always. Let me tell you again, because I'm in prison, and I'm telling you, if I need this, you probably do too. Rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 7 continues, but Paul's not done yet. Okay, He says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, or which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This word peace here is the exact opposite of the word anxious. I want to show you something today. You see, that word anxious means to literally be pulled apart. Elliot, I need your help here since i got to hold this mic. Come help me here, please. Will you put those little white balls on this tray for me? See, when we're anxious about things, these, these little things begin to, to pile up on us, not the yellow ones. We don't want yellow snow. Just the white ones. So we get all of these things on, this, on, our, on our plate, on our tray in life. That's, that's probably good. And then, and then we try to go about our life as normal, right? Yeah, stay right here. I'm going to need your help tonight. And, and we, get, we get worried about things. And these, these little things, we can keep it all together because we're good Christian people. We should be not anxious or worry about things, right? And so we, we're just very careful. And sometimes we even put two hands on our plate so that we don't, we don't want this anxiousness to get away from us. And then all of a sudden we get going and we get sidetracked and we start looking somewhere. And then all of a sudden we lose it all. And our anxiousness is everywhere. Why? Because being anxious means we're being pulled in every little direction. But Paul says, and the peace of God, the peace of God, that word peace means to be whole. W-H-O-L-E. So instead of having our anxious thoughts going everywhere and pulling us into little pieces, God wants to make us whole by giving us His peace. And so when we're going about life and we're dealing with His peace and we're hanging on to His peace, it doesn't matter if I trip because I can still hang on to the wholeness of His peace. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, God, I'm so thankful, I'm grateful that you're extending me grace. Grace when I look like that in life to give me something whole. Amen? God, I thank you for giving me this peace. But see, in verse 7, we can't get verse 7 peace unless we first do verse 6. 
It's in order for a reason, folks. We got to give our anxious thoughts to God. We've got to give our complaining to Him. You know what? It's, it's one thing to get on social media or even to have a friend that you can vent to. Cathartic venting we were talking about earlier. There's some therapy in that. But when we go to the therapist, whoever that may be, our friends, our, our situations, that only takes us so far. And God says, why don't you bring it to me? Why don't you complain to me? Maybe the next time we want to complain about something that's going on or something we don't agree with, maybe we should take it to Him through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Pastor, how can I be thankful if I'm complaining? Hmm. Good question. Wow. Maybe, maybe Paul knew what he was talking about. So really, the, the key to having peace in our life is we've got to have Jesus in our life. Amen? There's a cheesy bumper sticker out there. The, the key to knowing Jesus is this. Know Jesus, know peace. Have you seen this bumper sticker? Maybe you've seen it. It's, it's old. It's been around a long time. Know Jesus, know peace. Know Jesus, know peace. Is it cheesy? Yeah, it is. But is it true? Yes, it is true. It is true. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And He wants us to know His peace. Pastor, there's so many things in our life that, that just drag us down, that keep us so discouraged. And, and, um, and things that are easy for us to complain about. I need you to hold this microphone next to me, okay? I'm with you. We're, we're breaking them in really well here, okay? So this glass here, we're going we're gonna to close with, with this illustration today. This glass here represents our life. It's nice and clean and nice and clear. We can probably, well, I know we could. We could drink this glass of water. And it would be refreshing. And so this, this glass represents our life and the things that we put into our life, the things that we think about, our, our passions, our desires. You see, as this verse goes on, it goes on to talk about, it, it will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard our hearts. Do you know what it means to guard your heart? It means everything you care about, every passion that you have, everything that you're anxious about because you're worried about it going well, it'll guard that with the peace of God. So those things that we're passionate about, we, we can worry about it. Maybe you worry about the status of our economy right now. It starts to cloud our life up a little bit. Maybe you've got a 401k that's more like a 201k now. I don't know. I don't think it's that bad yet, but, you know, who knows? And then so you worry about those things. Maybe you worry about, you know, how long are we going to have to do this mask thing? Maybe, maybe we worry about this election. Maybe this will all go away November 4th and we'll all go back to normal. And I don't know about you. I don't want to drink this now because it's, it's beginning to get cloudy. And if you can't see it, I mean, it's, it looks yellow, like yellow snow. You don't eat yellow snow. You don't drink yellow water. It's kind of how it works. Maybe none of that thing, maybe none of those things affect you, but it's kind of subsided now, but maybe you're really worried 
about those murder hornets? You know, who knows what it is? Follow me. So whatever it is that we're putting in our life that causes us to worry, now don't, don't get that wet, okay? If we know Jesus, we can know his peace. And he says, in order for us to know his peace, we need to do some things to do that. And in your bulletins, and your notes, you see the next verse. Can you pull up that verse for me, Jonathan? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Think about those things because the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And when we think about the things of God, brings us back to something that is pure, something that is lovely, something that is admirable, something that is good and positive. Think about these things. Do I want my thoughts and my negativity to be pulling me in every little direction? to be clouding up my life? Or do I want to trust what God says through Paul? Hmm. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, there is nothing excellent about yellow snow or water. There is nothing excellent about complaining. If there's anything worthy of praise, if there's anything worthy to be worshipped, that's good. Think about these things. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? I want to ask you if you would to stand with me. We want to pray together. And as you're standing and you get, would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? I want to pray a prayer for us today together. So would you join me in, in your heart and mind in, in prayer? Father God, we thank you again for your plan. A plan that would extend your grace, your unmerited, undeserved favor to us. I pray, God, that you would help us to rejoice in our lives because we see what you have for us, and it's more positive than it is negative. 
then we can trust you, God, to give us peace. As you continue to pray, I want you just to, to just ask God to examine your hearts. Pray and ask God to examine your heart. Would you ask him to reveal if there's been any complaints in your heart that could be preventing you from experiencing his peace? See, if maybe you need God's peace today. If you need God's peace today, would you just do me a favor with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. If you need God's peace, would you just raise your hand? Amen. Hands up all over the place. As we continue in the spirit of prayer, maybe you're here today and you can't seem to remember a time when you received God's grace in your life. But you'd like to. You're tired of a life that is clouded by complaints and negativity. But the Bible makes it very clear today that all of us can have this gift. All of us can rejoice in this gratefulness of forgiveness if we confess our sins and make Jesus Lord and Savior of our lives. So maybe you've never done that today. Maybe today's the day that you want to experience that free gift. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Nobody's looking around. No, Nobody's looking around. Praise God. Thank you for that hand. Amen. Amen. Father God, we continue in this spirit of prayer and we thank you that you are a God who's able. You are a God who's bigger than all of our circumstances. You are a God who's bigger than all of the cares and concerns of our heart and our flesh that we tend to put in this big pile on this big tray and we try to carry it around in our lives trying to make sure we don't lose anything because we care about it so much. But one little trip up, one little fault, one little mess up, and it's rocked the whole thing. God, there's many people here today that are asking you, God, I need to experience your peace today. God, I pray that you would give us your peace today. And by giving us your peace, you're telling us that I need you to submit your cares, your anxious thoughts, your worries, your concerns, in everything you're worried about. God, we submit it to you today. We submit it to you and we say we are thankful for the grace that you give us when we worry and we're concerned. But God, we pray that you give us peace because we're going to trust you in this next step. God, I pray for those that raise their hand that want to receive your gift of forgiveness and experience your salvation. And your word tells us, Lord, that if we confess with our mouth and if we, if we say that we're sorry for the way we've been living, we're sorry for the wrongs that we've committed, it's not what you would want. And we admit our guilt to you and we confess. That's what confess means. We say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. But today I want to receive your free gift of salvation. Would you save me from my sins? And would you help me to trust you today as I begin afresh and anew to live for you? God, I thank you for that grace, that saving grace that is available to all of us. Would you give those people that raise their hand the assurance of knowing that you have saved them from their sins today and that they are forgiven and can walk with you freely today? God, we rejoice that a lost sheep has come home today. 
and we give you praise and thanks. Help us, Lord, as we leave this place to go out of here with a confidence and an assurance that we don't need to complain and be negative because it's far better to put our trust and hope in you and be grateful for all that you've done for us. Thank you, God, for this day and what you've done. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. As you leave today, take your fellowship outside, we ask, so we can continue to meet together. I love you. We'll see you tonight at 6.30 for groups.